0: and teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. Most of us as guys, we we, we respond to our life because of events that happen. And sometimes those events that happen are events that we regret. So well, sometimes something happens in our life that we have tried through some adventuresome spirit. Usually we get egged on by somebody else or someone gives us a dare, and we finally say to ourselves, man, I don't think I'll ever try that again. Maybe some of these pictures will jog something in your dark past. Nah, I don't think I'll try that again. I think I'll use my blinker from now on. Man, I thought our car could jump further than that. And when we picked out this spot for our vacation home, we thought it was the ideal location. Now, right on the verge of this fire line. Well, it's a good thing at least I put on my protective clothing. Maybe if I took a shortcut on this bike ride, I can get there before everybody else does. Bicycle riding. All of us guys, we do it. Sometimes we don't like to land on top of a car. Some people think it's safer to be surrounded by metal, but even that sometimes doesn't quite work out. Or we want to do something great. So when we go to one of the great wonders of the world, we want to leave our mark. Sometimes something else leaves us that we really need to finish up our project. Sometimes we just don't think it's going to end well at all. Or we try to take a turn too fast. The company's not going to be happy with me. And I really thought maybe my learning of my past days as a high jumper would have helped me, but they really didn't. One of the things that I've learned over the years in working with men is so many men really have something in their past that causes them to be hesitant, to try something by faith. And the reluctance of men to jump into serving Jesus Christ gets in the way of something in our past that we hope that no one else will ever find. Well, one of the realities of it, men, is every single one of us is imperfect. But if you can remember this great phrase from today, we're all imperfect without any exception. But in the hands of God, we are still very useful. God has a place for me in his grand program No matter what our past has been like, no matter what in the world we may have done, that we're afraid that someone else might find out. Here's some uh, life lessons that I have learned over the years that have been remarkable to me. I was a graduate of seminary, and I was very excited to graduate from Dallas Seminary. And uh, one of the things that was coming out online, or not online, but uh, making available for all of us, was a commentary a two-volume commentary by the faculty of Dallas Seminary, and I just uh, really appreciated and respected the faculty. So as soon as we heard that during my senior year they were now going to release the Old Testament volume, they had already released the New Testament volume, I was right down there at the bookstore, and they had a half-off sale. So uh, at the time, of course, they had that nice dust jacket over, and it was really pretty and all things. So I grabbed it, and I bought it for half price. I thought, man, oh man, I'm one of the first recipients of this great volume and I got it at half price I couldn't be happier and over the next three to four or five years I used this over and over again until the dust cover was t- tearing so badly I just said oh well and I ripped off the dust cover and I put it back on my shelf and if you could see this is how you would put it back in your bookshelf and then the next time I opened it up I had a little bit of a problem and a really a strange discovery So the book was bound upside down. I got it for 50% off, though. It was imperfect, but still useful, even though the cover was on upside down. And I just have to remember it every time I pick it out of the shelf. Just turn it upside down, and everything will be fine. What's inside and why it's beneficial is fine. But sometimes the cover would make somebody else feel what people see is how they're going to judge me. And I don't have the confidence that people, because of what they see, is going to allow me to serve Jesus Christ like I really want to. There's also a time when I was a, a dad, and I still am, and when our kids were really little, I had two sons, and I was out building something out of two by fours, just framing something really rough in. And I was pounding away with these 16-penny nails and my 16-ounce framing hammer and putting something together and throwing it together really fast. And just like little boys do, they see Dad doing something, and they want to do what Dad does. So I didn't have any big hammers that they could lift as little boys. So one of them found a mallet, a rubber mallet, and he said, I can lift this. So he put, picked up one of those hardened 16-penny nails, and he started pounding it with his rubber mallet. Well, the, the damage was really not to the, to the nail, but the damage was to my rubber mallet, which has scratches and chips all over the place. And I looked at my son. I said, son, uh, I, don't, I, I don't think you want to ruin the hammer than it already is. Why don't you put that mallet down? And I, I picked that up as a young father and as a young man. I thought to myself, you know, I don't like it when my tools get messed up. But it sure wasn't worth yelling at my son, who was just trying to copy his dad. But also I looked at this and I thought to myself, I'm a cheapskate. I'm not going to throw this away because what this mallet can do can still be accomplished even though it looks horrible now. Imperfect but still useful. I like to study and I had to study most of my life and because I study I have to do a lot of stuff with books and I had done a a project of teaching, and some of my students gave me this uh, bookends set of bookends with uh, Dennis the Menace and Ruff, his dog, and I had uh, him sitting up on my desk holding up some key books, and my kids were running around playing tag and having fun. So during the time when everything was fine, I said to my (laughs) two boys, be careful, don't knock the desk, or Dennis the Menace is going to fall over and he's going to break. No problem, Dad, no problem, when they are happy and things were going well. Well, suddenly somebody cheated. Somebody pushed the other one. That got somebody's dander up. Suddenly they started wrestling and fighting, and it was no longer happy. says, be careful, kids. Don't knock the desk. If you do, you're going to knock Dennis the Menace down, and he's going to break. And they didn't say, yes, Dad. They just kept fighting. And sure enough, one of them pushed the other one against the desk. Dennis the Menace fell on the floor, and when he hit the floor as I was trying to reach out and grab it, not in time, when he hit the floor, his head fell off, and his little famous tweak on his hair, that fell off, and all the sawdust was pouring out of his neck. My two boys stopped, frozen in midair. It's exactly what Dad told us not to do. So I started saying, well, maybe you guys can help me put the sawdust back in him. So we started picking up the sawdust and pouring it back in Dennis's body. I pulled out a, a tube of super glue glued his head on and glued his famous tweak on. And now, if you look at it very closely, you can still see the line on his neck and the tweak in his hair. But there was enough sawdust put back in him that he can still hold up a book. Imperfect, but still very useful. Now, I suspect, gentlemen, that probably in all our lives there's something there that's gone on That maybe if we thought, if our life were put up on this screen, we wouldn't be very happy. In fact, I'd like it if maybe those things were never known by any human being at all. Maybe the fear of those kinds of things puts us in a position of saying, because of that, my confidence today to be an initiator and a faithful servant are really lacking. Maybe some very important questions to ask ourselves are these. Does some failure in my past prevent me from trying to do something significant today? Does does a feeling of inadequacy reflect itself in what I will or will not do in the Lord's work? Am I no longer constantly contemplating being a part of something great for Jesus Christ? That's a very important question. If I were to ask you to write down on a piece of paper one of your life goals that matched itself with greatness for the kingdom, would you be able to write down anything that your life is now targeting so that your life would be lived with significance out of gratitude for what Jesus Christ has done for you? Well, here's a passage of scripture that maybe can give to us a restart if there has been any hesitation of our past or something that has caused us as individuals to be hesitant to be involved with greatness. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul writes to this church full of potential, but full of sin and disobedience, doing things that really they would regret down the road. Christians messing around with stuff that they shouldn't be messing with, distracted from the greatness of the potential they had as followers of Jesus Christ. What were you? Paul asks? before they were saved. Our past impacts our present. Remember that horrible past from which Jesus Christ saved you. Just remembering that alone, that salvation from our past, should initiate a natural sense of humbleness. Why in the world would God choose me after all that I had done before I met Jesus Christ? If I can simply remember that change, We will not hesitate to step into greatness today. What were you when you were called? When he actually gave to us his great gift of salvation, the divine summons. It wasn't anything we did on our own. It's something that God did through our lives. He chose us as the wonders of the wonderful work of what he could do from salvation. That simple minimum selection, that in itself, He says, don't forget, he didn't choose you because you were really smart. He didn't choose you because of all your academic credentials. He didn't choose you because of all your publications where your name was on the spine of many books. Now, some have credentials, but not all. And most don't. And God didn't choose us on the basis of human recognition of our abilities. Not at all. Nor did he choose us because we were influential in a position where we could wield some success because of our initiative. Not at all because of our position. Not at all because of our personal importance or the authority that was now part and parcel of our identity. He didn't do that. He did not call us, he did not save us because of our smarts or our position of achievement in this world. Nor did he choose us because of our pedigree. He didn't say, oh, I need someone really quality because of their family background and of the consistency of the track record of all the men who've accomplished great things. He didn't choose us because of that. Some, but not all. Pedigree is helpful, but in the scheme of God's things, we take on his pedigree once he saves us. God's purpose of shame. He chose the foolish things of this world. And if you ask me, that's where I raise my hand. Yeah, I qualify. If God wants foolishness, man, he chose me, and I'm, I'm top of the list. If he was not the kind of person that he was chosen because they were not foolish, who in the world is going to try to take credit for anything accomplished in that life? Instead, he chose the weak things, not those who were just the star athletes. So how many of us as guys are always looking at the great athletes of the day? wondering what would I be like if I had that kind of physical prowess. I've told people before that Houston is famous for many things, but one of the things we are most recently famous for was the shortest celebration ever in the annals of sports history. When the Houston Rockets were playing one of those final games, and if they won the game, they'd fill up that last spot in the playoffs, some Christians were actually praying, God, help us win this playoff, get this game, so we can get in the playoffs. And by some miraculous stroke, we won that game. And people were celebrating until somebody in the celebration asked, well, who are we playing in the playoffs? Someone said, Golden State. That was the end of that celebration. So sometimes we look at the athletes and think that all of our identity would change if we were like one of them. But God says, no, I chose the weak ones, the non-athletic ones, the ones. Now, sometimes he uses them. There's no question that they're an occasional exception. The people who do something famous among men, God uses that person. But the vast majority of us don't have that tremendous privilege. We are the ones who talk about shame more than strength as far as what marks the past life that we have lived. God has chosen the lowly to despise things that are not. Worthlessness, God creates out of nothing. He needs no help for greatness. One of the most remarkable things in the Bible is when the book of Genesis opens up, it says that God created all these things in six days, rested on the seventh. And the name for God is capital G, little O, little D, which in the Bible is translated from the Hebrew as Elohim. It is the name of God where he has the power to create out of nothing. So whenever we see the name of God, we don't just ho-hum our way through it and say, well, that's Christian talk. No, There are names of God that are special. And the name Elohim or the name God refers to this powerful God who can create out of nothing. This God, he chose each and every one of us who's a Christian. He chose us for a special purpose to accomplish a task in this world that only requires one thing and that is supernatural achievement on the part of God through a simple obedient servant of his. He will nullify the things that are. Man does his very best, but God works tremendously and finally through what is lowly. God's purpose with that kind of humility is something that comes to us, something that we cannot overlook. It is a powerful statement. For one reason, so that no one can boast. So that no one takes credit for what God does through us. Instead, we do it in Christ. And for the most amazing thing is, When the name of Jesus Christ is accomplished through the life of someone who's never forgotten what they were, and the only reason they can be a part of greatness is because of what God does through them, then we can boast only in the Lord with righteousness and holiness and the redemption that we've been given, all a part of what God has promised us in the past. Now, this is one of the reasons why I'm bringing this lesson to us today, because sometimes... It's not just what we have done by bad choices or goofiness in our past, but something that we were born with that gets in the way of our significance of trying anything new, and that is this thing called sibling order. Anybody here have uh, older brothers or sisters? Ah, uh, yeah, me too. I I, I mean, I, I tell people in my personal testimony, I, I grew up with a very challenged and and disadvantaged childhood. My disadvantaged childhood is is proven because I had an older sister. Now, I don't know if you had an older sister, but I not only had an older sister, but I had an older sister who was incredibly bright. And then, after that, another older brother who was before me who was incredibly talented. Now, this is uh, the kind of story that I look in the Scripture and say, yeah, I can really identify with this. When you look at God's greatness and the people he chooses, ch- He has chosen, yeah, he chose a guy like Caleb. Caleb is famous for his courage, for his military prowess, his ability to look strategically at a battle and figure out how they can win it. And God used him. He became an amazing hero for the nation of Israel. He was the kind of person who followed the Lord wholeheartedly, and everyone knew it. It was a part of his reputation. In this amazing thing, God affirmed his commitment to him. In this amazing phenomenon in Joshua 15, in accordance with the Lord's command to him, Joshua gave to Caleb a portion in Judah. Not only did Caleb do great things courageously, but he is rewarded by God personally for his great achievements. How in the world could you follow somebody like that? Well, the amazing thing is he was followed by somebody. And it was his younger brother. How in the world would you like to follow an older brother like Caleb? The Bible actually names him. And his name is Othniel. Baby brother is now going to have the chance to make good. What in the world would he do? What kind of pressure would a younger sibling have after being led by not only a great older brother, but an amazing older brother God personally honored and elevated. How do family members heighten? Uh, uh, how do if I'm? How do family members heighten under this kind of pressure? It's an awful kind of thing, and our community absolutely frustrates ourselves with it as well. When we think about a brother who's accomplished so much, so Othniel steps up, and the Bible says to us in Judges chapter three, verse nine. It's a name that you ought to remember in the book of Judges. Every single one of the individuals that God lifted up to become a hero for the nation of Israel had something in their past that others could have used as an excuse never to obey, Jesus, never to obey the God of the Bible. But these individuals, without exception, even though they all had a legitimate human excuse for saying no to God, every one of them said yes to God, And as a result of that, God used them powerfully. Othniel could have said, Hey, God, you know, use my older brother Caleb. He's already a proven entity. Don't use me. I can't do anything like he can. But Othniel did not let that get in the way. He was ready for the Lord to direct him. Abraham delivered all, he was able to deliver all of what God had given to him for Israel. He acted in courage, faith, and decisiveness. And God gave a miraculous success. Phenomenal in my mind, when you think about all of that God was trying to do for the nation of Israel through the life of this amazing single individual. Othniel steps up. And not only that, but this divine blessing is clear in his godly leadership. The Bible reveals that to us. The Spirit of the Lord, notice the letters are all capitalized. This refers to the name of God, Jehovah. Jehovah the God who makes promises and keeps every promise he makes, came upon him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord, or Yahweh, Jehovah, gave Risha rishathaim king of Aram, into the hands of, not Caleb, the famous older brother, but into the hands of the younger brother, Othniel, who overpowered him. Empowered by the Spirit of God with selflessness, Position with regard to responsibility, courage even in a time of war, he exercised great strength because of what the Lord could do through him. When I look at this God's specialization in the longevity of what good results come from a faithful person like Othniel, I look at Judges chapter 3 verse 11. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. And the longevity of of such faithful service was a reward of a younger brother, even though he could have had the excuse, send Caleb a proven and known quantity before me. Now, I don't know about you, but I lived my life under the shadow of my older sister and my older brother for all of my life. Every time I went into a new grade in grade school, I remember the teacher looking up when she was reading out the names and she read my name. And she looked at me, or he looked at me with a big smile, and said, "Oh, you're Valerie and Vernon's younger brother. Wow, I'm sure that you're going to do fine in this class." And I would mutter to myself, "Valerie, Vernon, never heard of them." And I thought to myself, "Oh yeah, I've heard of them. They're really boring. All they got was the same old letter grade for everything, A, 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 a. So I'm going to show you some variety. <laughs> and I said, "After all, C stands for creativity." But I I cannot believe how hard it was because everyone assumed that I would reach a certain benchmark because my older brother and older sister went before me, and I was related to them. So I would do just as well, and I did not. My sister not only did well in school, but she had set a personal goal for herself. She was going to be a biologist in the state of California, and her goal was that every time she took a state exam for a biologist. Her goal was to be in the top 10 percentile. She never reached that goal because every time she took a test, she was in the top three percentile. She retired as the highest paid, highest ranking state biologist in the state of California so that whenever the governor on three different terms, three different governors, utilized her skills as as their primary advocate and resource person for anything that dealt with the ecology of the state of California. That was my sister. And my brother who followed after her took a different route. He's the kind of guy who applied to medical school and would have got a full-ride scholarship over to Penn State or someplace like that. He said, "Ah, oh, that's too far to go. I'm going to wait till I get into the school in California of my choice. So I'll, I'll just hang around at UC Berkeley for another year and, and just get another master's. That'll be, that'll be fine. And then the next year, he gets a full ride into the medical school of his choice in California. So today, he is the one of the one of the very best orthopedic surgeons in the state of California. If you want a knee replacement, you go see Dr. Fong because your knee replacement is going to last two or three longer, two or three times longer than anybody else's. Oh yeah, and Valerie and Vernon, they had a brother named Bruce. And I tell you something, if Jesus Christ had not grabbed a hold of my life, I don't know where I would have been. And When I look at the things that God has allowed me to do in the name of Jesus Christ, what a huge privilege that has been. Not only to be a professor, preparing people for ministry in the mission field, to be the president of a, of a seminary, to lead an organization that's going to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Serve on the board of directors of a group called Promise Keepers, and to be able to speak at some of their events, over thirty events I got to speak at, some groups as small as five thousand, some as big as one point4 million and stand in the gap and I'm thinking to myself, what a, what a tremendous contrast this is to what an insecure, unbelieving young boy would say to himself. I have no clue what I can accomplish in this life after that sister and after that brother. And I can make every excuse under the sun to let the word greatness fall from my vocabulary, but instead to see that in the name of Jesus Christ, because he chose me, I can now have the privilege to be a part of something far greater than I could ever imagine as a human being. But take no credit for it, because I am marked by the insecurity and the lack of confidence that I had before meeting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Imperfect? Oh, absolutely. But still very useful in the hands of an almighty God. If you are here today and greatness is not a part of your personal goal of being a key part of something great that God wants to do, you do not know God very well. It's not what we know about ourselves. It's not what we generate about our own spirit. It's about what the Almighty God who can create out of nothing, that's how powerful He is. And when He says He wants to use us for supernatural, eternal things, God never says anything that He will not keep His word on. Because Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord, Lord, that is all about God making promises and keeping everyone that he makes, even if it's necessary for Elohim to create something out of nothing in order to make his achievement possible. Gentlemen, I am mystified at the city of Houston. Why in the world can't a group of guys like us just go before God in prayer influence that prayer by a life of obedience and touching the people at work that we see every single day and letting the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus Christ allow us to influence him for eternity so it would be the initial spark to make this city come alive in the name of Jesus Christ for all eternity. Houston is known for goofy things, like I said, the shortest celebration in the annals of sports history or maybe famous because we were the fastest-growing city in the United States for many years going on. The port of Houston has been the leading import port in the entire United States for 24 years running. We are the the one city in the entire world where 30% of anything that touches the word oil comes through and is influenced by Houston. Why can't Houston be also known as a place where Jesus Christ is alive And where people can't say, stop saying, there's something spiritual going on in Houston, and you've got to go visit that city to get a sense of what Almighty God is doing in an urban area that has become alive. Because men who are not trusting in themselves, but in the greatness of what Jesus Christ can do through them, are now surrendering to his leading in their lives. And yeah, they're imperfect, but every one of them knows and in the hands of God, they're still incredibly useful. That, gentlemen, is a story of Othniel. That, gentleman is a story of a man of faith who believed way beyond what was natural to be hesitant over, just to trust God and not the opinion of man. Have a great time. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6 30 a.m. in the garden room of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. Have a great day.